Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taiwan Talk, a show where we explore news and topics from here in Taiwan. I'm today's host, Trevor Tortomasi, and for this episode, I'm speaking with Sarah Chang, host of the Kung Fu Mama Show. Sarah is an action film actress turned podcaster who shares her experiences in both movies and at home as a mother of two, along with experts in the field of parenting. Hi, my name is Sarah Chang, Zhang Xueren. I'm an actress, producer, a podcast artist of the Kung Fu Mama Show, and a mom of two. So, uh, I guess first, can you tell us about the Kung Fu Mama Show? Okay, so the Kung Fu Mama Show, the premise is Mamas Helping Mamas. So it's a podcast. It's also an online show and sort of a vlog, as well as sort of a movement, you know, of mothers and childhood development experts all coming together um, in a series of interviews, and sometimes we do some workshops and basically a new community of sort of motherhood and parenting advice. You said you do this show with your husband. Uh, yeah. So sometimes he comes on the show, but mostly it's just me. Um, I'm the one who interviews most of the guests and experts. Um, so our show, since August 2020, has gone through a couple of changes. So in the beginning, we more wanted to focus on our experiences, parenting, and what it's like to be filmmaker, actress, and being in this sort of an industry while parenting two young children. <laughs> and so that was kind of what the angle was. But then more and more, I started getting more experts and more doctors and more、um, early childhood development practitioners on the show. And I thought, okay, you know what? I think I really want to go the expert route because it's really interesting. It's really helpful for us as parents as well, and it's really helpful for parents around the world to hear this. And we've been we got really good reviews and we got really good feedback on the shows that we where we interviewed experts. So then we had more of that. That's awesome. What kind of experts have you been talking to again? So there's some that's in early childhood development. So、mm -hmm. they have degrees in early childhood development, and then they talk about what a child goes through.、Um, we also talk with parenting experts.、Um, we also talk to lactation consultants.、Um, there's also a quite famous、um, a doula here, Angela. She's she's assisted a lot of people here in Taiwan as a doula.、Um, also sleep consultants, which is a big one. People love talking about sleep on the show. So yeah, definitely, and even a dermat. Psychologists,、uh, what to do with your baby skin? What to do with the mom's skin? There's just so many topics. Actually, we can talk about in parenthood because it relates both to the child and both to the parent and mental health and fertility. Oh my gosh, there's so much to talk about. That's a good feeling when you start a show to know that you have fuel that you're going to continue to have fuel for the show to keep it going. Yeah, definitely. Where did the original show idea come from? Um, well, basically, the show, the idea came from you know I'm a passionate mother, which I'm sure most mothers are, <laughs> and then so because of that, and also I'm an actress and a producer, I have the resources and expertise to do sort of a show, and so because of COVID, my work, acting work, started slowing down, and we had more time and motivation to jump in and actually do this show because I'm actually quite passionate about early child development as well, and so yeah, my husband and I just brainstormed. Stormed and then came up with this whole show, and here we are now. Moving into the parts of the name Kung Fu Mama, let's start with. We've talked about the mama part a little、mm -hmm. bit.、Um, what about the Kung Fu part? I read that you've been practicing the art of Wushu since you were seven. Yes. So I have been practicing Wushu since I was seven. But this name Kung Fu Mama Show is really derived from Kung Fu, and in Chinese, Kung Fu, as you may know, is skill. So you could be,、uh, you know, you could have gongfu in cooking. You could have gongfu in several things. But I feel like as a mother, you have gongfu 
in mothering. So that's why I kind of developed this show to develop more Kung Fu mamas. So we have an army of Kung Fu mamas. So we can, you know, arm them with this information. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, when you have Kung Fu, you develop that skill over time. And parenting is sort of developing your parenting skills over time. So are you developing podcasting Kung Fu as well? Yes, very much so. <laughs> I'm also developing my podcasting Kung Fu for sure. That's great. So what have you drawn from your training that you've been using in your parenting? Is there any element of your actual martial arts training, too, that you've been using in your parenting? Or has it mostly been the original meaning of the word? So my martial arts training, I think that the ongoing themes that we've sort of picked up on both of them is one is patience. Right. (laughs) I was I was definitely not assuming that you would have like, you know, fights around the house. But I was thinking about (laughs) maybe breathing exercises. Patience definitely sounds like one of them. Yeah, patience is definitely one of them. Of course, because I've also had podcast guests that have said breathing helps. And I've been trying that, uh, I'd say unsuccessfully so far, Mm. but we're working on that. But I think it's more kind of the values of patience, perseverance, things that you learn throughout practicing martial arts. I would say that there's also like a hardness and a softness to both parenting and martial arts. Sometimes you have to be firm and sometimes you have to go with it and be silly. Mm -hmm. Same as martial arts, sometimes you have to be really focused and determined and sometimes you can actually innovate and be really creative with it. Maybe there's, I'm not an expert in this field at all, but I feel like maybe there are some elements of stuff like Tai Chi Tran where you can sort of take your child's energy and redirect it towards something more useful or stuff like that. (laughs) The redirect. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) I totally agree with that one. Okay, well, you've been acting for quite a few years now. Um, When did you, at what point in your life did you sort of decide to fully invest in this journey? Well, I've already always been passionate about martial arts. And it wasn't until I actually stopped all different jobs and I just decided to delve into martial arts that I actually got invited to uh, work on an MV set uh, here in Taiwan, actually. And after that experience, I thought, oh, wow. So this is really what film and TV and entertainment is like. I love it. And then after that, I really delve in. I uh, went to acting classes. I went to Central Academy of Drama in Beijing. And then I just went head in. From my experiences on set, too, there's a certain power, for lack of a better term, there's like this vibe that you get from everyone all working toward the same project, everyone being so physically there and and in the same headspace. Mm -hmm. Um, That is something to be grateful for, whether you're in front of the camera, behind the camera or all around it. I, I think that's amazing. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's also in that moment or in that project, especially when you're on a long film project, (laughs) these people that, you know, maybe just before the set, you didn't know, all become basically your family. You're Mm -hmm. all working towards this one goal, you know, and I think that's just such a beautiful thing to have that bonding time with all sorts of people. And and then everyone has to stay in that environment, you know, and I think Mm -hmm. it's really cool. So throughout this journey, what do you think has been one of your prevailing inspirations? Um, so I'd say that because I'm a practitioner of Wushu, when I saw Jet Li on the screen in like Once Upon a Time in China, mm-hmm. Sayuk, um, in Hero, Crouching Tiger, so Jet Li and Michelle Yeoh, they were definitely huge inspirations for me. While I was seeing them on screen, I could see that all their fierceness and just how they kind of lit up the screen. And that's kind of how I feel when I'm competing in Wushu. But I didn't make the link to become an actress and uh, to see me doing Wushu as a link. Mm -hmm. It didn't come until much later, but they're definitely huge inspirations for me. 
So I saw a story you posted on social media saying that you and uh, Simulio were talking to Vice um, mm-hmm. a few years ago, and I, you explained why accurate Asian American representation in media is so important more and more. I guess what are the biggest problems we're seeing with Asian representation in film so far? So I think the biggest problem is, and there's several, of course, but mm-hmm. the biggest problem is that we don't have enough Asian writers. So we're seeing a lot of material out there that's non-Asian writers putting out Asian material. For example, of course, we have Simu in Kim's Convenience. So there was one episode where I read an interview about Jean Yoon, and she said that the family members, they got sick eating kimchi. And then she's like, okay, guys, this is wrong because you can't get sick eating kimchi because kimchi is actually natural probiotic. It's, it's ferment, fermented. So why would this be the food that you get sick on? So she had to go and talk to the writers and have them change the the script for that. And that's just one small issue. But I think just looking in that one small issue, there's so many other shows that you see non-Asian people writing about an Asian person's experience. And that would make that those characters, you know, not as not as relatable to everybody else. And so I think that's that's definitely a huge problem. Mm-hmm. It's just there's not enough roles. There's not enough non-stereotypical Asian roles out there. And I think um, we've come a long way because Asian Americans are forced to be reckoned with because now the Asian Americans are opening up their own production companies, producing their own content. And that's why you see a lot more Asian helmed and Asian starring series or films and things like that. So I think it's I think it's great. I'm just glad that you're a part of the movement. Definitely. And speaking on that, um, I also started a production company also mm-hmm. within the pandemic. There was uh, last, uh, late last year, I started a production company here in Taiwan. It's called CNate Studio. And we make films for the global market. And of course, those films are definitely going to be representing, you know, Asian characters and Asian characters with depth and good character arcs and um, things that people can relate to all around the world. What have you seen as some of the improvements in the past few years we've seen with Asian American representation or just Asian representation in general? I feel like there's actually Asian writers that are getting into the right positions now. So then you're seeing characters that everyone can relate to. And I think a lot of people saw Crazy Rich Asians, but that and also things like um, To All the Boys, having a romantic comedy um, with Laura Condor, the Netflix movie. So there's also definitely always maybe there's definitely a lot more um, just non-stereotypical Asian roles and Asian movies out there. You know, let it be romantic comedies. And they're not all, you know, action themed or they're or there's not just one token Asian in the movie. You know, there's several Asian characters mm-hmm. um, with leading strong character arcs. There just has to be more. It doesn't matter what kind of representation it is. It's just there has to be more Asian faces on the screen mm-hmm. to help, you know, both diversity and both um, this whole Asian stop mm-hmm. Asian hate movement. Um, if there's more Asians represented on the screen, we're going to have less racism as well. It just has to become something, a sense of normal to have yeah. Asian faces on the screen. Um, so I noticed that you, I'm not sure if this is a rumor or not. I noticed that you auditioned for the role of Mulan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> how yes, was, how was that? That was a very interesting experience. It was a lot of fun. Um, as you know, Mulan is expert in wushu and she's a warrior. It's a dream, a dream come true. So I actually started a media campaign of, um, 
me wanting to be Mulan. I actually had a CCTV <laughs> documentary Whoa. about me wanting to be Mulan. I had a, a media push. Um, I took my friends and we went out. I got the costumes. I did my audition. Um, I got a call back from Hollywood and I went in all full suit, um, like a red suit, a Mulan suit with my straight sword and everything. It was it was an incredible experience. And of course, the role uh, went to uh, Leo Fei, mm-hmm. which is a very famous, famous actress. So yeah, it was just really fun. It was just really fun fun to just sort of be able to express that side like the Mulan kind of persona and I think that uh, that really resonated with me whether or not you know I got the role or not I just love to show that character you know in all in all of the auditions whether it be the media and all that stuff I can't imagine Hollywood must be a completely different level of, of competition. But the things you learned from that, have you have you taken mm-hmm. that back and, and sort of used that here where the competition is a little less fierce? Yeah, I think what I think what it is is that for any for any audition or any role, you just have to keep, you know, an open mind and a level heart. Every role has someone who's supposed to be in that role. Every role has someone that the director imagined for that role. And so if, if you keep thinking about it that way, then if whether you get the role or you don't get the role, maybe sometimes you weren't suitable for that role or sometimes the director didn't think about it that way. Have you felt the pull of the bigger markets at all or do you feel pretty happy here in Taiwan? Right now, I'm definitely based here in Taiwan. I still have an ongoing talks in Chinese and U.S. projects as well. But Taiwan will always be my home base. Um, I love it here. <laughs> I kind of feel the same way. Taiwan is an awesome home base. And it's, it's so comfortable in community. I don't have to rant about how awesome Taiwan is on a podcast mm-hmm. about Taiwan. But if you were looking to work in China, would you have to put on a, a Chinese accent? Oh, actually, so a lot of the roles in China, a lot of them are dubbed. Interesting. Interesting, right? I thought it was quite interesting. Even if the original actor is speaking Mandarin? Yes, because there's a lot of problems with the sound in China. There's just so many people. And when you go into a set, say, I did a movie in Hendian. I'm I'm there in my guzhong, in my olden day outfit. Mm -hmm. And then next to me is there's World War II happening. Oh, you were like sharing sets and World War II didn't finish till one o'clock and you guys were signed up for 1230. And There's just so many, there's just so many sets going on at the same time, especially in places like Hendian and these huge movie studios. So a lot of the times they just take the, they just, they just dub the sound. But that being said, also, it depends their, the accent, sometimes they'll specifically want the accent. So it depends on which part of China even, it might not even be a, um, what you would think, like a Mandarin Beijing accent. You know, they also have, you know, a Sichuan accent or a Shanghai accent. So it depends on the project, I'd say. Hmm. How many recent films have you been in? So recently, um, so last year, also during the pandemic, I picked up a Hollywood movie, which was filmed in three separate countries. So this film um, called Blur's Day, it's directed by Emmy Award winning director Sergio Guerrero. He's the one who directed uh, A Day Without a Mexican. And basically, the film was filmed within three different countries. So we are representing the couple that's in Taiwan. I know that Taiwan didn't really have a complete lockdown Mm -hmm. like other countries, but we're representing a couple in Taiwan that's under lockdown. And it kind of talks about uh, more like a drama. It talks about our relationship and how it changes and how we deal with things about, you know, the virus. And it's, it's definitely been a different kind of role for me. So in that Going back to the Asian representation, I've been taking on more roles, you know, different types of roles. Um, So we made a movie called Circle of Bones. That was the first movie that I did as a producer. And 
I thought it was just such an incredible experience because somehow we filmed this uh, movie on an island called Bahol. It's a scuba diving island. It's it's a beautiful place. And we actually were able to um, have the governor approve carte blancs on the island. Wow. So we basically used their SWAT team. We used their nicest hotel. We used... What did you use their SWAT team for? <laughs> well, it was part of the movie. We needed we needed the SWAT team there to come in and raid like a door. Okay, okay. Raid, raid a place that... Because they know the right movements. They know what they're supposed to do. They know how to clear the area, things like that. So, I mean, you really don't have to do much in terms of... Like on the directing side. And they have all the equipment, you know, as a producer, money's everything. So getting all the guns and everything, all the firearms and everything, that also costs quite a bit of money. What genre was that? Uh, I'm, I'm assuming there was some action in it, but was it like a scary movie? Circle of Bones sounds pretty... Yeah, it's a, it's like an action horror. Oh, it's an okay. action horror film. So that was actually also um, a very challenging, sort of dramatic slash action, action role for me. So being a part of telling these stories, especially in front of the camera, what else have you learned about being around the camera from writing, from producing, from editing? Do you have a favorite part? For behind the camera roles, I think I'm mostly suited for being a producer, but I actually do like, I know we touched on this earlier, I do actually really like editing, surprisingly. So I got into, I didn't really get into editing my own stuff. I can't say I'm really a good writer in terms of content, but I'm pretty good at editing action. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I like to find like the timing with the music and all that. I think I find it very enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, it's relaxing. And editing is like putting together a puzzle. Is it's like a puzzle where none of the pieces are exactly right, but mm-hmm. you have a sense of like what goes where. Exactly. But also I, having the right footage to edit with is another is another big thing. And I imagine action scenes with all those different angles must be pretty tough. Mm-hmm. And I actually don't mind that. I know that sometimes there you're just missing that one piece. But I like solving that puzzle when you don't have that piece. I really enjoy graphic design as well. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I recently started using uh, Premiere and After Effects to like put videos together. And again, I don't have as much footage to work with. But mm-hmm. the things you can do with effects is just crazy. Mm-hmm. It gives me so much respect for when I'm on set and like I'm talking to the editor or someone who's going to be working in post-production a lot. Right. I'm like, how can I help you? <laughs> how can I make your job easier? Because I know it's going to be tough. That's great. I mean, I think a lot of actors miss that part knowing exactly what's going to come out at the end the final product um, and gearing that with their performance so the more that you know about behind the camera and what happens in post-production the more you're going to be able to tune your acting or your your game to be the best angles the easiest angles for the editor to use or the the special effects or the vfx to to treat Especially in action, you know, if you're jumping around the wire, you got the wire in front of your face. That's not cool. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I've never worked with wires. Is that something that people have to... Yes. So I did learn some wire work um, here in Taiwan. And I also trained with a Jackie Chan training center in wire work. It was amazing. Um, What kind of wires are we talking about? How how thick are these wires? So wire work, when I say wire work, it sounds like they're steel wires, which is what they used to use back in the day. But what we're really talking about is more like ropes, like climbing ropes. Um, And sometimes there's this thing called tech. Um, It's very thin. It's very thin rope, actually. But it's made out of very, very um, strong plastic. And it can hold up to, I think, like 2,000 pounds or very, very high levels of uh, Is it hard on the body when you're using it, when you're hanging around, flying from place to place on that kind of thing? 
So yeah, it depends. It depends on how you rig the person. So this is also kind of an art. Uh, so where you put the wires on the person, and where you know where the it's kind of like physics. You know, where are you <laughs> going to put the wires? Is it gonna is it gonna cut into their body? Then you're gonna put you know foam there so that it makes the actor feel better. So yeah, it it can sometimes. But if you know what you're doing, if you've been on the wire for for long enough, you kind of understand how to manipulate your body so that it looks right and it also feels right. It's crazy how quickly you can go from like three people working on a casual film to saying like, oh, I want to do a cool jump in this one scene. I guess we need a wires guy now. Well, if the wires guy is going to come in, then we need someone to do the effects for the, okay, I guess we, and then suddenly you have like, I just talked to a director recently who was working on the show, Sakalu, uh, S- mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and he said there were like 10,000 people in that production. Oh my and gosh. And it's, it's, it's mind blowing how it can become just, you need a different person for everything and suddenly there's this giant team on set every day. Um, yeah. What kind of set are you working with usually? How many people are, are are your projects including? So our sets, depending on what the scale is, it can be from, uh, say, 30 people up to, say, 500 people. It, it definitely depends on who we're working with. Okay, and say if it was Wolf Warrior, I worked on Wolf Warrior too. I don't know how many people were on that set. That could have been several thousand as well. But yeah, I guess it, it depends on the production. It also depends on, say, for example, because of the director, if the director has a background in action, you can also cut down the number of people that you're going to need. You know, he knows exactly what's going to happen. He knows exactly how this is going to be shot. So um, a lot of our films, we can cut down the number of people, cut down the number of time because we already have the expertise on how we're going to shoot this, how it's going to look and how to optimize the number of people working. So it definitely depends. Yeah, well said. But I feel like I, I wanted to hear you talk more about your experience with uh, the Kung Fu Mama show. Um what is something that you've learned that you find yourself using more and more often now from from doing the show? I think, you know what I find that's a resonating factor is there's two things. One is that a lot of these guests that I talk to, they really just follow their instincts. They follow their instincts, they follow their experiences, and they realize, I'm really powerful. As a mother, I'm really powerful. I actually can do a lot of things my own way and it really works. And then because of what I've been doing that really works, I want to share it with everybody else. That's one resonating factor. So trust your instincts as a mother. And another thing in parenting, always forgive yourself. Just be nice to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think those are two resonating factors that a lot of guests have, have said, on, said on my podcast. Yeah, I think a lot of us are learning about self-care these days. Is there anything you'd like to say to the people of Taiwan? I love Taiwan. Um, let's get together. Let's make some action films. That's what I want to do. So, so She's saying, fight me, basically. Come fight me. <laughs> come fight me. Yeah, exactly. So come visit me at cnatestudio.com. Let's talk about making movies. And also come look at Kung Fu Mama Show. There's so many topics on there. And if you have a question, you can just click on one of those podcasts and it'll probably answer it for you. Awesome. You can catch Sarah Chang on the Kung Fu Mama Show, which is a podcast, and also on YouTube starring Sarah Chang. And uh, keep your eye out for more of her films to be to be released soon. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Trevor. As we close out this episode, I'd like to thank Sarah once again for coming out to the ICRT studios. You can find links to follow her in the podcast description. And in the spirit of our conversation, I'd also like to extend my thanks to everyone behind the cameras and the microphones as well. 
You can join my co-host Ryan Drillsma in next week's episode, and I'll have another episode up in two weeks. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Trevor Tortomasi on ICRT FM 100. If you'd like to hear more from ICRT, you can check out our other podcasts. We've got Taiwan This Week, a roundup of the news in Taiwan every Friday. English in the News, for useful English expressions explained in Chinese. And EZ News, spelled with the letters E and Z, for simplified daily news. For some lighter news in both English and Chinese, check out News Bites and News for Kids. And if you enjoy them, tell a friend. Thanks for listening.